What's up, guys? Thanks for coming to our Kaafa and Miss You podcast. Here, you will find resources to help you grow in real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. So you can learn to love Jesus, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy. We are here tonight to talk about Kaafaisms. Truisms are truths found in Scripture where we can recall any time and anywhere. Last week, my wife talked about why do we do the things we do and who do we do them for. Shannon talked about we are in an army and not an audience. And Javi shared with us, love finds a needs and meets it. Each one of these Chi Alpha-isms has built the culture you see today in Chi Alpha, and we hope it continues. Culture is important because it is who we are at the core, and all of these Chi Alpha-isms are to re- represent Christ. This week's Chi Alpha-ism is to fight for each other's futures more than each other's feelings. It sounded like I said it like a game show for some reason. <laughs> Um, But yes, to fight for each other's futures more than each other's feelings means to care for someone's life. I had a friend, Vadim. Yes. He's a friend. Some will say he's a small group leader. But yes, he was my small group leader and he's a dear friend to me. He's Russian. As you can tell, you can't tell, but you can tell. (laughs) Um, But... From one perspective, you can see when you saw him, you would say he was hungry for, for Christ. He loved Jesus, hated sin, and cared deeply for his friends. Or from another perspective, you would say he was a jerk, a man that didn't love anyone, didn't listen, or didn't hear you out at all. Both of those statements were how I felt at different times. See, Vadim challenged my way of life. At one point, I had just come to the Lord and was struggling with living in the world and living for Christ. And I had an opportunity to go travel the world for like six, eight months. And so I was really excited. And I called Vadim up and I told him, hey, like, this is what's going to happen. And the thing he said, he said, I have something to tell you. I believe if you go, you will walk away from God. And I hung up on the phone because I was pissed. (laughs) I was so furious that he would tell me this because I'm like from Las Cruces traveling the world. Like this is a huge opportunity. And I was like, this dude doesn't even know me. Like what the heck is his problem? Why do you think he could just tell me that? You know, who does? Yeah. Who does he think he is? And so I was very, very furious. Um, But there was still something about him. That when he spoke, I listened. And when he said things, he convicted me. Those words stuck with me the whole entire way I traveled. And despite not only wanting to prove him wrong, I completely walked away from God. And I was convicted. I sat in his words and said he was right. And man, there was many other times where he was right. Vadim cared more about my future than my feelings. I didn't see it when he said it, but I saw it later on. What Vadim taught me being in his small group was Jesus' words and teaching. Tonight, scripture is John 6, 60 through 69. I'm going to preface here 
This is where Jesus has done some miracles. People, he has gained a very big following. He's feeding them. He's healing them. And you will start to see they will begin to start leaving because of what he says. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, the teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some among you who don't believe, he said. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And yes, I was just like the disciples. I complained and I grumbled all the time in small group. And I said, these teachings are way too hard. Tonight, we will understand why is it important and most of all loving to fight for each other's futures more than each other's feelings. Before we fight though for each other's futures, let us look at our feelings. We derived our purpose, our value, and morality from feelings, when actually feelings are an emotional state of what we are experiencing. And because it's an emotional state, we tend to believe what reality is or that it is life. We have traded feelings for life. It may be true that you are feeling those things, but they are not life. The reason why we believe it to be life is because we believe at that moment there is no world outside of what I'm feeling. The world revolves around my feelings and therefore my feelings dictate how I respond to my past, how I am in the present, and what will I do in the future. To simply put, feelings became my purpose. Before I met Jesus, my life was marked with bitterness. I was mad at the world. I believe there were snakes in the grass, snakes in the plains, snakes everywhere, all around you. I was mad at my parents. I was mad at my friends, my cousins, you name it. I was mad at the world and it controlled my life. I burned bridges with my parents. I trusted nobody around me, and furthermore, to use people before they used me. We have not only traded feelings for purpose, but also morality. In the Constitution, it says to give them life, liberty, and happiness. And to our friends and family, we believe that loving someone is letting someone make bad decisions as long as you're happy. Morality to the world means good equals pleasure, bad equals pain. We believe we have a right to feel good and a right not to experience pain. Lastly, many of us have gotten our value from our feelings. 
We believe that if we are treated bad, then we are not valued. And yes, that's true in the literal sense. But in the biblical sense, it is so far from the truth. Even as Christians, when we get hurt by the church or friends, family, spouses, and so much more, we are shocked because we believe our value equals the way I am treated. But if you believe you are going to be treated better than Jesus, you are in for a rude awakening. Proverbs 14, 12 to 13 says, there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. We have thought that filling was the way of life and possibly life itself, but it only leads to death. So to care more for their feelings over their future is not to care for their life at all. Now, do I mean if your friend is crying at the moment, say we must move forward to live life? No. Do I want to laugh and smile with you? Why, of course. And when I cry, and I cry a lot, does it show my affection and care for something? Yes. What I'm saying is, feelings are a state and not life. To care for their future more than their feelings is to care for their life. But yet we traded life for filling. The problem of the world is they know pain and happiness all too well, but they do not know God's word. John 6, 63 says, the spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some among you who don't believe. This is where we see the fork in the road with those that Jesus was discipling. And this is where we see it as well in who we disciple. This is where feelings meet true life and spirit. We come face to face to God's word. I remember the first words of God that became true to my heart, which were asked seek and knock these words were so close to my heart because they were true what i found when i asked was something more glorious was peace joy love comfort freedom free of fear which makes his word even that much greater when i came to god i got on my knees and asked him to reveal himself to me and he did And when I knew nothing, I sought and I found. And you want to know what I found? Was a Russian man, overly zealous for God, studying to be an accountant, Vadim. At that moment, when I found Vadim, I not only found Vadim, I found community and brothers. Ultimately, what I found was in his word. Where two or three are gathered together, he is there. I felt a mix of emotions when I met Vadim in my small group. I felt peace and comfort, yet anxiety and anger and frustration. So much feelings. But right there, I had people like Vadim and Javi fighting for my future every step of the way. 
I felt those things because I began to hear God's word. I began to be around people who had God's word living in them. They had his spirit in life. God's word graciously invites you in. See, it gave me a home, a father, a purpose, value, forgiveness. Jesus' words are comfort to the mourner. It gives you peace, joy, and love, and so, so much more. Another word that I couldn't understand before when I first came to the Lord was his grace is sufficient enough. I remember saying, I don't deserve this. I cannot be saved. There's no way. If only they knew the things I've done. But as I read his word and saw it in others and saw it in my life, it became true. God's word is not only gracious, but it has authority. Many times we want to prove that God's word has authority, but we do not need to do that. God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It convicts and pierces the heart of men all on its own. Much of our mistake is that we believe we are greater than God's word, that we can change it or manipulate it, but how can we change what is true? Just because it is spoken through broken men does not mean it's any less true and loses its authority. Not only does it have authority, but his word is deep, true and relevant to your life. As I told you, Vadim rebuked me many times on purpose and on accident, but he was not the only one. I had been rebuked a lot. <laughs> When I felt God's word to make disciples of all nations, I signed up for LTC, which was our leadership training class. I made it to the end of the class, but the teacher of the class had a last meeting with me. He said, he, he said that you have passed, but I would not trust you in my resource. Essentially, I cannot trust you as a friend. At that old moment, I was overwhelmed, shocked, hurt and discouraged. It tested my faith, but I couldn't see what he saw at the time. And I'm not really sure how I didn't see. I look back and I realize I was a huge turd in small group and in LTC. I was mean and judgmental, critical and prideful, and there was so much ugliness. It convicted me and made me question what I believe. Rightfully so. If my life was not showing Christ, something was going on. Now, was that the direct word of God? Well, no. Did it, though, come from a man where the word of God lived and indwelled in him? And was the word of God piercing my heart every day while I was pursuing Christ? Yes. The word of God is living. You see, its authority reigns. It helped me recognize that I must make disciples of all nations. But the why was most important. And I was doing it all for the wrong reasons. I could not see it at the time, but I am truly grateful for that man. 
I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him. And he became one of my closest friends in my life. One of his favorite scriptures that he would always repeat to me actually was 2 Timothy 3.16-17. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you have the word of God that dwells in you? God's word ultimately was life-changing, and it brings dead men to life. Truly, you see it in history with generations and generations of Christians. You see it in the friends that you are next to each other. Just last week, me and, or a couple of weeks ago, actually, me and Sonia sat down to talk to someone about what we are doing as missionaries. We told them that God has changed their life and we want to fight for students. But we also told her about her past and who I was and my selfishness and my pride and my persistence in seeking after drugs and alcohol and girls and all types of things because I hungered so deeply to fill something inside of me and that Jesus was it. And she could not believe it. She was like, there's no way. There's no way you were like that. She's like, I can't see how you could have been that, and this is where you're at now. Well, her daughter-in-law was there too, but not her son. And after we had dinner, the daughter-in-law went to go home to tell her husband about me and Sonia. Well, her husband was a friend that I'd known since middle school. I hadn't talked to him, I haven't talked to him in a very long time. But he knew me in middle school and in high school. And he called his mom and he said, if God can save and change Joseph, he can do the same for me. And he said, and his mom said, really, how bad could Joseph have been? And he said, you don't need to know, but trust me. And it encouraged him. This is why we must fight for each other's futures more than each other's feelings. So just as Vadim and so many others fought for my future, that, that I knew God, that others may know God and have eternal life. Feelings are temporary, but God is eternal. We have a challenge ahead of us, and it will mean pain on both ends, on you and your friends, and everyone you see. Romans 1, 21, 24 says, For they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Many people are lost and their hearts are darkened. But we must fight for their future. How do we do this? It's by hiding God's word in us. Let it dwell in you. Believe in it. 
all you small group leaders or people that have a revelation of who God is and now see the world for what it is. Take up the responsibility before you and see from an internal perspective the reality of your friend's life that is worth so much more than feelings, than you losing them from your life, that their life is worth the death of Christ. Their future can be life of Christ or death of self. If you, a Christian who believes in God's word, that he has died for your sins, was risen on the third day, that you may have been made right and his spirit dwells in you to be a co-heir, would not that belief drive you to warn others, to love others, to be bold in your words and know that it is love? See, the world is lost and dead, and yet we have the answer. Peter responded, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. See, we know Christ. We have hope for a greater day to come. We know true love. We have been redeemed. We know that we can be made into the image of Christ. When you see your friends and you have what you have, why should we keep it to ourselves? I could not imagine waiting till I was 30 to know Christ, to have the life I have now, the peace that I experience, the change of who I am, to be like Christ. I would dare not want to wait another second, more than even years. Would you wait? There's a song that I love to sing that me and my son sing, and I belch it, and it says, I won't go back. The, oh, oh, oh. I won't go back, and I can't go back to the way it used to be. And I love it so much because I think of my life before Christ, and I know that I never dare want to go back. Is your life changed so much by Christ that you can see a clear difference and don't want to go back? If not, I might wonder if God has changed you at all and is continually changing you. Do you believe in his eternal word? And if he has changed you, and you wouldn't imagine going back either, then why would you wait to share the truth with others? Love is to fight for someone's future more than their feelings. This week I learned something about gold. True pure gold is actually really soft. It's as soft as butter, but they don't make it out of, they don't make jewelry out of pure gold because it will most likely lose its form. Out of all the metals, gold is one of the strongest, but also the most malleable, and it can be hammered and pressed without ever breaking. But when it is not pure gold and it has other metals, it's hard to change its shape. Christ 
is trying to make us into pure gold, into the image of him. But we are not pure gold yet. He needs to mount us down and get rid of all the other metals that are not good things, that are not pure. To be heated up and mounted down and get all the metals out is painful. It will hurt and be painful. And sometimes we won't even understand it. But we will have faith and hope. But the more metal that we rid yourself of, the more flexible and malice we will be when God must shape us. Titus 1.15 says, To the pure, everything is pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both the mind and consciousness are defiled. Our friends are blind and cannot see a good and holy God. They cannot believe. But will you have faith and hope for them? Love them, care for them, and pray for them. Live in the spirit and not in your flesh. So many people question of how people confront one another. Oh, well, that man yelled it. That man screamed at that person. Oh, well, that person nudged him. It does not matter how. It does not matter. It is who. Are you in your flesh or are you in your spirit? If you know the one true risen God, if he lives and dwells in you, I promise you, I promise you, he is greater than your words. He is greater than how you say it. He is greater than any way you say it. We must put a crown on their head and watch them grow into it. Will we ask God that we may be refined as well? So that we can be made pure and we show them what is purity, show them what is to believe that they can be pure. And that the moments of feelings are just a state and not life. Will you have God's living, breathing word in you, but share it as well. Lastly, will you fight for their futures? more than their feelings as Christ fought for you. That's all I have tonight. I'm going to pray and we'll be done. Holy, holy King Jesus. We don't have the words. We don't even deserve to speak on your behalf. And Lord, there's so many people questioning and, and wondering and, and thinking about what is true. But God, you are real. You are what is alive. You are life itself. You say, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the light. Lord, I pray that people know this. That Lord that the scales would fall off their eyes, that, Lord, what they think to be real, Lord, would it fall apart, Lord Jesus? For you are the only thing that is true. Let us not be any greater than you. Let us not think we're greater than one another, God. 
for you would you put us in a rightfully place, Lord, under the cross where you are most glorified, Jesus, where we see ourselves, Lord, but yet we see you in all of your glory. Lord Jesus, you are so good to us, so, so good. Would my friends go after tonight, Lord, and see you in their homes, see you with their friends, see you in laughter and joy and peace, God. Would the word of God crush every part of darkness in their life and the people that they meet? Would your peace surpass everything that we know to know you? Jesus, we need you. And you will not leave your people. You are what is faithful in the world as we are not faithful. Fill our hearts, Christ. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.